Hi, and welcome to the Heart of a Perfectionist podcast. I'm your host, Tegan Thompson. I'm a book lover, a chocoholic, and an INTJ living in a world filled with extroverts. I made this podcast to share my experiences and struggles as an introverted perfectionist and to bring the inner workings of an introvert's mind to introverts and extroverts alike. So grab a cup of tea and get comfortable. It's time to unmute. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Heart of a Perfectionist podcast. Happy New Year. I know that everyone is probably really relieved to just be out of 2020 and all of the challenges it had and to move into 2021. It feels like a fresh new start, and I'm really excited about it, and I hope everyone else is as well. This week, uh, we'll be talking about overthinking, and I chose this topic because although not all introverts are overthinkers, a large majority of overthinkers are introverts, and so I thought this would be a great topic to talk about. So why do people overthink? And I did a little bit of research, and I found that scientifically, there's a study that found that introverts, on average, have higher levels of neuronal activity in their brain compared to extroverts. Uh, And this means that overall in the cortex of the brain, um, there is greater information processing in introverts compared to extroverts. Um, And therefore, they're thinking about a lot of things in a shorter amount of time whereas extroverts are thinking about that same amount of information over a longer period of time. Um, And in a separate study, it was found that there is increased activity specifically in the frontal cortex, which allows for um, remembering or retrieving memories, um, planning, decision-making, and problem-solving, all of which are very characteristic of overthinking. Um, And they also found an increased activity in a region called Broca's area. And I found this super interesting because Broca's area is involved in the production of speech. And it works with another region called Wernicke's area that is involved in the comprehension of speech. And so they deduced that this increased activity in Broca's area um, and the production of speech is likely to coincide with um, overthinkers talking to themselves internally. Um, And so there's a lot of self-talk involved in overthinking. Uh, And obviously these are very significant characteristics of introverts and how introverts inwardly think about things. Um, Another reason that people might overthink is that there's a great amount of emotional investment involved when people overthink. And so overthinkers will tend to feel things very deeply um, about the, what they're thinking about because overthinking itself is an act that involves a great amount of time investment. And people don't invest a lot of time 
unless they are emotionally involved or they have a lot of significance placed on that. And so when overthinkers think about a specific thought or a specific situation for a long period of time, it is often very important to them. And so there's that emotional investment. And personally, I overthink in areas related to academics and relationships because these are two things that I highly value in my life. And so there's a lot of emotional investment in those areas already. And so I uh, attribute more overthinking to those areas specifically. So for example, if a stranger came up to me and they told me, oh, I don't like how you talk. I'm not going to worry about that or think about it often because more than likely I may never see them again or talk to them again or I just don't have that emotional investment in them. Whereas if a friend or a family member came up to me and said, oh, I don't like how you talk, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to say, why don't you like how I talk? What can I do to change that? How can I make our interactions better in a way that they don't feel uncomfortable with how I'm talking? Um, So those are just some very brief reasons why people overthink. And uh, now I'm going to go into how I personally overthink. And a lot of people overthink in different ways. So I'm not going to cover all of those things. I'm just going to go into uh, how I do personally. And one of the biggest things that I do is that I second guess everything. And I have it written down in all caps and underlined because it's literally everything. Um, And... So what I do is I always ask for a second opinion uh, or maybe even a third, fourth, or fifth one as well. And I do this because I want to double check what I'm thinking. I want to make sure I'm not uh, biased or I'm forgetting something. I want to make sure that other people are kind of on the same page with me um, so that I know what I'm doing is probably the right thing. And um, one of the biggest things that I've done this with is with tests in school. Um, I always take my tests twice. And that's if I have enough time, obviously. But um, I remember in high school, we would get uh, scantrons and we would have to fill in the bubbles on the scantron to get our tests graded. And uh, so what I would do is I would go through the test, we get a paper test, and I would read the questions and fill in the bubbles on the Scantron. And then I would set my Scantron aside, and I would go back to the test, and I would answer all my answers on the actual paper test. And then once I've done both of those, I go back and I compare my answers, and anything that doesn't align, I go back to that question and I go, okay, what was my thinking? And which one do I think was right? And uh, all my teachers would say, you do so well on the tests and you know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. but You take so long compared to all the other students. I'm like, yeah, well, that's because I took the test twice. I mean, um, teachers would say, oh, you have like, 
uh, 50 minutes or however long the class period was to take the test, but I only expected to take about 20 minutes and I would take the whole class period and they're like, that just doesn't add up. But yeah, that's one of the things that I would do and second guessing myself, overthinking and making sure that I was right on every answer. Um, another way that I overthink is that I hate making decisions. I'm very indecisive, but I'm what I personally like to call, um, selectively indecisive because when it comes to making a decision in something I'm completely sure about, I make the decision quickly with no questions at all. But when I have any sliver or hint of doubt in regards to making a decision, I really struggle with that. And that's when I go to second guessing and asking for other people's opinions. And often I would rather just people make the the decision for me. And this happens a lot um, with my family uh, because when we order food, we have six different people in our family who have six different tastes and it's very hard to find one place where we all want to eat. And so a lot of people will say, oh, Tegan, what do you want to eat tonight? And I'm like, um, I don't know. Anything's fine, which isn't true because I know what I don't want, but I just don't know what I want. And I'd rather just someone else make that decision and I'll be fine and I'll find something to order there. And um, often a way I get around this is by ordering the same thing uh, at every place. So I have my one meal that I order at every restaurant so that I don't have to think about it when we pick a place to eat at. Um, and then another way I overthink is I'm a perfectionist and I've discussed this in previous episodes. Um, but obviously being a perfectionist involves criticizing myself a lot and always questioning how I can do better. And so there's a lot of overthinking, um, just by being a perfectionist and, That's because when possible, I want to do everything to perfection. And I say that with air quotes because nothing can really be perfect. There's always room for improvement. Um, But yeah, if you want to learn a little bit more about that, you can go back to um, episode two where I kind of talk about how procrastination is involved in being a perfectionist. Um... Another way in which I overthink is when I'm sleeping, or rather when I'm not sleeping. So I have insomnia, and I struggle with falling asleep because I overthink. And a lot of the times I'll just say to myself, why won't my brain just shut off? Like, I just want it to be quiet so I can sleep. And this is because at night when I'm by myself in my room, my brain can just think about everything. And again, this is everything like from school to work to family and friends to the things I need to do the next day to 
I don't know how to brush my teeth. I'm just kidding. I don't actually think about that. But you get the point. Um, I literally think about everything and my brain won't go quiet long enough for me to fall asleep. So, yeah. And um, another way is that I often just go quiet randomly during the day. And this is like what I guess you would consider like daydreaming or just kind of thinking internally. Um, And I do this because everything goes loud around me. And when I say everything, I mean everything in my head. My head is talking and talking and thinking and it's just like, it's never one thing. It's like, two, three, four different things at the same time and my brain's just jumping from one to the other and it won't be quiet and so it feels really loud and so I have to go quiet myself in order to feel some sort of security or comfort in that time and I often don't notice when I do this until someone around me asks if I'm okay Uh, My family does this a lot because sometimes I'll be just talking, having a great time, and then I'll just go quiet and, like, stop saying things and kind of stare off into the distance, and then someone will look at me and be like, are you okay? And I'm like, yes, I am. I just was thinking about way too many things at one time. Um, So those are some ways in which I overthink. Um, I'm sorry if you can hear my dog barking in the background. Um, And then I want to just talk about two brief things about what you can do um, or what you can avoid when you're talking to an overthinker. Um, So the first thing is if you're asked a question that is not a yes or no question, Do not give a yes or no answer or a short one word or short phrase answer because that is not what we are looking for. Um, Because I promise you that the overthinker has thought very deeply about how to ask you the question, what they're expecting to hear from you, all the possible different answers you can give. And so they want a long, in-depth answer. Um, And if you don't give that, be prepared to uh, be asked more questions, more in-depth questions, so that they can get the answer they're looking from you. Um, And the second thing is, if you're lying, please make sure that it, like, all lines up and nothing is out of place, because... Even though they may not recognize it in that moment, they're going to overthink about what you've said to them. And they are going to think about how those things line up with things you said in the past. And if they make sense. And if they don't, they're going to catch you in your lie. And you may not even remember that you did it. Because they might not bring it up until a couple weeks or a couple months later. Um, but they will, they will catch you and, um, 
you probably will be like, I don't even remember saying this or it happening. And they'll be like, no, it happened because I've been thinking about it for weeks now. And so, you know, I've had people tell me things that contradict themselves they tell me one thing and then say another thing a couple weeks later and then at first I'll be like okay whatever but then my brain will like start spinning and I'll realize that those things don't make sense and I'll keep thinking about it and I'll wonder okay well maybe maybe something changed or um what they said actually does line up if you add something else into the equation or and so I'll think about it even longer even after I've realized they don't make sense together and then after a couple weeks of questioning I will finally bring it up to them and they'll be like what are you talking this was like a month ago why are you bringing this up now it's not even relevant and I'm like but it's very very relevant for me um because I will not be able to stop thinking about it until I get the correct answer. Um, so yeah, so just be careful if you're lying. Um, yeah. And, uh, the last thing I want to touch on is how I cope with overthinking, because overthinking can be very stressful and anxiety-inducing, and if you don't know how to cope with it, can be very hard to deal with often and so I think it's very important for people to know how to cope with um, overthinking. So one of the biggest things I do is I journal and I love journaling. I I try to write um, three or four times a week uh, just to kind of get my thoughts on paper and this kind of helps me process things internally and um you know because sometimes everything's in your head and it's hard to place them in um order or sequence uh, or figure out how they connect to each other and sometimes you feel like you're just thinking about random thoughts often um but then i write them out and i realize oh okay this connects back to this and it's a very helpful thing i know um, not everyone likes journaling, um, but I really do recommend it. It's, it's such a great way to process things. Um, another way with how I cope is by talking. And I often do this when journaling doesn't work for me. Um, and you can talk to yourself. You can talk to someone else. Either one, it works. Um, I like to do both, actually. Um, And how you can do this is by talking to a friend or a family member. Um, This is really helpful because you have a second opinion, you have a second brain, you have someone else um, who is thinking about the same situation or the same thought, but they think in a different way, so they might provide a new perspective. Um... And so I like doing this a lot. I like talking to my friends and my family about things so that I can get a new perspective and um, just see if there's something that I wasn't thinking about. 
Um, another thing that I think is really great is talking to a counselor or a therapist because they provide an unbiased, impartial opinion. Um, they may not directly understand the situation because they're not a part of it, but because they're not a part of it, they actually can see it from a completely different perspective that friends and family may not be able to. And they also are trained to teach people how to cope with things and how to deal with situations um, when you're struggling with those things. And I really love doing this. It's actually helped me a lot um, learning how to have conversations, learning how to um, deal with my overthinking and recognizing when things aren't worth overthinking. Um, and actually one of the biggest things that I've learned through this is how to talk to myself about things. And so obviously you can just talk out loud if you want to, to yourself while you're in a room by yourself. Um, but a really great way to talk to yourself is by recording yourself on your phone and you just talk, just talk about whatever you want, whatever's on your mind. And then when you're done talking, you go back and you listen to yourself. And, um, when I do this, I've realized that there are a lot of things that I think about. And when I said them out loud and I was listening to it, I was like, why, why am I thinking about that? Why is it important? Does this affect me? No. And then I can throw it on the back burner and I don't even have to worry about it. Um, another way that I deal with, um, overthinking that pertains more to, uh, me having insomnia is by writing down all the things that I need to do the next day, um, in my planner. And I write down the entire list of things I need to do or want to do, um, or I go into my notes and if it's not necessarily something I need to do, but something that I need to talk about with someone or need to get, um, finished or something, I write it in my notes. That way I have it written down and I don't have to think about it as much because I know that I need to get it done and I'll do it the next day and it's there and I can think about it tomorrow. Um, another way is by putting myself in the spotlight and I know that as an introvert, the introverts do not like doing this, um, but I have started to do this more often. And I started by doing this by starting my blog, and I'm continuing to do it by starting this podcast. Um, and this is really great because uh, I know that as an overthinker that there's a lot of things in your brain, very creative people, and it's really hard to share those things because you're afraid of what other people might think or uh, was it done well enough or can it be better um, and that was one of the biggest things I struggled with when starting my blog was I don't even know if people will like my stories and I don't want to share those things if people don't want to read them um, 
and it feels very personal. Um, but by doing that, by starting my blog, by starting this podcast and putting things out there, I, I can overthink about these things if I want to, but they're already out there. They're already out there for people to read, for people to listen to, and I can't change that. And that has helped in a way that I have stopped overthinking about it as much and have kind of just put myself out there for people to hear because, you know, um, in society today, there's a lot of pressure to put your best face forward, to be as perfect as possible, and no one ever sees the raw side of people, and I think that is such a valuable thing, is to see this raw and imperfect side of people because it shows that it's okay to be imperfect sometimes. Um, and, you know, that's the last thing I have on my list for how to cope with things is I recognize that I'm human and that I'm not perfect. And uh, I've mentioned this a couple times already, but I think it's so important for people to know that and to recognize that it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to make the wrong decision sometimes uh, because that's how we learn. That's how humans learn is you make a mistake and you realize what didn't work um, or what needs to change and you make that change in the future so that it can work. Um, it's also how you accept and become okay with failure. Um, I have met some people who kind of never really failed at anything in their life. And when they do, it's it's really sad to see because they completely shut down. And they feel like they can't do even the things that they've done well their entire lives perfect anymore. And so they stop doing those things. And so I think, you know, putting yourself out there... Allowing yourself to fail sometimes allows you to accept and be okay with failing and not being perfect um, and actually allows you to learn better in the future. Um, so thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Heart of a Perfectionist podcast. Uh, please follow my social media accounts to stay up to date. They are on Facebook and Instagram under the username The Heart of a Perfectionist. Uh, and if you enjoyed this week's episode or if you learned anything new, please subscribe, leave a comment, and share with someone you know. And have a great weekend. And I look forward to seeing you guys again next week on the Heart of a Perfectionist podcast. Wow.